Strategists and project managers play the shepherd's role on a team. Business, client relationships, and most creative outputs from web experiences to campaigns will be built on the foundations strategists set. Project managers thread through creative and development, and QA has to delicately make sure everything is working as it should. But how do they manage to do this? This is a conversation that allows the audience to hear from Butcher Shop which practices help our company to achieve our final goal. Leave the strategy room with a successful and realistic plan implemented and then tested by the PMs and QA. So welcome to episode three of Layover Talks. My name is Michelle, and I'm excited to be this episode's host. So why don't we all just go around and kind of like introduce ourselves. Start with Cobes. All right. Hi, I'm Sarah Cobal, also known as Cobes. I'm the VP of Strategy and one of the associate partners here at Butcher Shop. Been with the crew for five years and based out of our New York hub. Hi, I'm Whitney. Um, I'm a senior strategist at Butcher Shop. I started at the end of June, so it's been a few months. And um, yeah, I work closely with Cobes on a bunch of projects here. I'm Marnie. I'm a junior strategist here at Butcher Shop. I joined in July, and I'm also based in New York. Hello, my name is Maribel Araiza, and I'm a QA tester, and I'm here in Guadalajara. And I've been uh, at Butcher Shop uh, almost for a year, so that's it. Hey, I'm Max. I'm one of the product managers here based in Guadalajara, Mexico. And I've been in the company for almost three months now, and I work mostly on digital projects. Awesome. Great. Okay, so the first question I wanted to start off with, basically I wanted to ask everyone, um, what is your runner's high within your job role? So, like, basically... What's something that makes you want to brag about your job to someone else or, you know, something that you feel like you're really confident in, you just you love your job? Like, what, what are those qualities about your job that you admire? Should I start? Yeah. All right. Um, there's a lot of things. I think the thing that I like the most is getting to know people, talking to people and being around, trying to help them accomplish their goals as soon as possible is one of the main things that drive me. What about you, Cobes? <laughs> <laughs> I would say... In strategy in particular, and with the different clients that we work on, what I love most is that we always get to become experts in different fields. So one month it's learning everything we can about neuroscience, and one month it's everything about cybersecurity or AI and machine learning or healthcare or e-commerce, and it just keeps it interesting every day. Hmm. What's like a kind of a unique industry you felt like you learned a lot about? I would say one of the more interesting ones in the past year was work that we did for a company that does gene editing. Hmm. Wow. Actually, how do they describe it? It's like gene therapy. Interesting, yeah. And it's in the healthcare space, but they make therapeutics for mRNA, very similar to the stuff you hear about with some of the vaccines, yeah. the vaccine technology, but that was a really interesting category because I felt like I had to get a PhD to <laughs> understand <laughs> it. <laughs> wow. What about you, Whitney? What's something that you love about your job? Um, I think, you know, what Cope said was one of the big things, like jumping from different categories and brands. But I think if uh, I had to say something else, it'd be the honestly 
seeing the creative output at the end and if that can tie back to something interesting or unique that we found in strategy it's really cool to see that living through a creative output like out in the world like there's been you know sometimes you don't see it as strongly as others and sometimes it really hits you know like oh that came from this specific learning and uh, I think that's pretty cool and Marnie we know that you just joined but (laughs) yeah I like I think feeling like there's a very like entrepreneurial sort of like energy with all the different projects. And it feels like strategy comes on and it's like a part of that, I don't know, business team that's like on the ground building it. Yeah. And it's like, we get to do that for so many different companies. It's like a pretty unique position to be in. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, in my case, what I love about my job is that uh, it's always challenging and I never get bored. It's like playing a video game. Every day is like a, you're uh, going to a different level and you and I have the opportunity to work in different projects. So, yeah, I never get bored and I love it. I'm going to remind you that tomorrow. <laughs> I. <laughs> All right, I have a, a what's worst question and this is kind of about like clients. So I think everyone can relate in some fashion. Okay, so what do you think is worse? Uh, a client who gives bad feedback or a client who can't decide on a key decision maker? I think a client that can't decide, like it's way worse. It's so complicated when you get a client that has no idea what he actually wants or she, and keeps telling you that he wants something and you show him that thing and he goes around and asks you for a different thing. It's super complicated when you get that kind of client. Yeah. I think bad feedback can be very painful because it can really make or break a project moving forward. Yeah. I think we try to do as much as we can to help coach our clients to give better feedback or coach them for what they should be thinking about or what type of input is valuable to help us address things that they want to see in the next round. But it's really tough to get them sometimes to move beyond like subjective reactions to things or like move them from trying to get feedback from an emotional standpoint to thinking about it more objectively. Yeah, yeah. Because I think I was in a, I forgot which client it was, but I was in a call recently and uh, I think it's, I'm not going to say who it was, but <laughs> I know internally. Um, and we asked them for the key decision maker and someone we can go to. And they were like, oh, it's all of us. And then I think everyone in the room was just like, oh no, <laughs> that's disaster. So... Okay, well, I want to move on to the topic of communication, kind of like the strategy behind communication, right? So I think that that's kind of just the crucial cornerstone of everything we do at Butcher Shop. It's like communicating between team worker, you know, coworkers and teammates and uh, communicating between the client and us and then also what our product communicates to the world. So how do you guys think that strategy comes into play with these types of communication? I think that from a product manager standpoint, it's really simple. If you don't feel like you're over communicating, you're not communicating enough. That's pretty much how it works. Yeah. I don't know if you guys feel pretty different than, than we do. Yeah, I think it's a balance. I think I get that from a project management standpoint for sure, because I always want to communicate with them. I think, I don't know, maybe it's my style of communication, but I kind of strike a balance with, I want to communicate, the more communication, the better, I think, especially mm-hmm. between account, clients, creative teams, but I also try not to over communicate to the point where it's like unbearing, especially when it comes to creative side of things, like give time to get further before you're 
you kind of, you know, knocking on the door again about what's going on. Um, but it, it's definitely interesting balance. And I think COVID and working remotely has changed how that looks because mm-hmm. it used to be you could stop by a desk and yeah. um, go to a room. And it's still very possible uh, in the world we live in now. But it's definitely different. So just trying to figure out, you know, do you make a meeting? Do you do a site chat? Like what communication form do you use for the message that, you know, you have at the time? So Totally. Yeah. What about you, Maribel? Do you think there's anything? Well, uh, can, in my case, you um, because I'm doing the testing and yeah, I'm always checking for uh, possible bugs, like situations or problems that maybe the user will found. So to avoid them. So I'm always asking. And I think, as Whitney mentioned, I'm always communicating and asking, like, uh, what should I do with this? Is this expected? Do you... is in this place, the user should do this or what? And it's like, sometimes I think they get frustrated <laughs> because I'm always asking the devs or the PMs and they're like, um, no, it's okay, don't worry if you ask too much, so yeah. Yeah, I feel like your role, um, if you can speak more to kind of like how, because you're doing a lot of like working with a lot of technical people, uh, but also a little bit of like skills with project management, right? So it's kind of like an interesting blend. Would you say that or how would you describe? I. <laughs> it's like um, you have to be like your own lead. Like um, you need to communicate this, but you, you need to know how to ask, like to be polite, not just go and say, uh, you need to do this and tell me how. It's like mm-hmm. you need to say it in a nice way because everyone... Well, at least I think everyone loves uh, when someone tells you in a nice way instead of like an order. So you yeah. need to be very, not very polite, but... Um, Positive affirmation, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, can you please help me? I have this doubt and how can I do this? And then, oh, sure, uh, can we have a call? And it's much easier when there is a call. Uh, so the dev or someone else tells you how to... Um, how the feature needs to work. Okay, this is more of like a project manager question, so I'll give it to you. All right. <laughs> this, is a, this is a big one, by the way, so right. prepare yourself. Um, how many world problems do you think can be solved by being more strategic about how people organize and participate in meetings? Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a very big one. I think that there's a certain amount of work that planning before can actually make happen. There's a, there's a couple of things that you can actually plan for. It's not possible at all. It's just outcomes that you cannot plan for. I think participation from people is really key when it, when it comes to pretty much meetings and all that sort of thing. But I would say you can probably reduce 50% of damage control when you actually plan ahead and talk to people with enough time. And I wouldn't say it's much more than that. It's, I gotta be completely honest, there's a lot of things you can control. Yeah, especially in like the work remote landscape, do you feel like a lot of people are planning like unnecessary meetings, like meetings that, you know, could have been emails or? I think, I think that people got used to getting so many meetings at the beginning of the pandemic and then it just like started rolling over like sort of a snowball kind of thing. And we're at a point where we need to figure out like, how are we gonna keep working on this? Are we gonna have we have we have a saying in Spanish that pretty much said means you get a lot of meetings. It's it's called juntitis. It's it everyone that speaks Spanish is gonna understand that. But the thing is that a lot of people feel a lot safer if they get a lot of meetings, even though they don't do 
anything in those meetings. And I think that, that, that safeness feeling, I don't know, doesn't apply for everyone. But I think that a lot of people get like a... Yeah, like feel a, productive. Yeah, I feel a lot more productive. They get a lot of meetings, even though if they do nothing on them. Got it. So is your... Do you feel like you're kind of like constantly making sure like, okay, these meetings have to have like objectives and we need to like yeah. exit this meeting with some Yeah, kind of- I mean, I usually like put cyclical meetings, but they do them pretty short so I can get like five, ten minutes with someone to speak about something. And I whenever you can, I'm going to call and... I feel like we have actually nothing to talk about. I just text them before, like, you know what? We can just skip this one. I don't think like there's any problem to talk about right now. And I think that's pretty much a practice that everyone should do. If you don't have anything on the agenda and the other person has no idea what you guys are gonna talk about, like what's the point of having the meeting at all? Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. Okay. I think I wanna talk a little bit now about maybe like misconceptions people have about strategy work and what it actually is. Like, I think when I first joined, I was really interested in strategy as a designer. And um, I think, Cobes, you kind of mentioned to me, it's kind of like being a lawyer because you're like synthesizing all this information and then kind of like having to figure out what is the one big idea or, you know, what's the one big takeaway. So maybe there's, you know, any sort of wisdom you can impart on people who aren't as familiar with strategy and like, what do you guys do on a daily basis? That's a good question. I think there are a few misperceptions about what strategy is that maybe falls on two ends of the spectrum. One end being it's all just research and data and numbers and no imagination. And the other end being it's all made up. Mm. (laughs) And in reality, it's somewhere in the middle. (laughs) I mean, it really is an art and a science in a lot of ways. Like it is really important for us to do the work, do the research, collect information that's helping us shape a very objective point of view. But then a lot of it is connecting the dots with our intuition and our imagination and bringing the creativity into it to really be able to recognize what we think the interesting opportunities are and what data and facts and information are showing us. So great. <laughs> Whitney, did you have anything to add? I was going to say, I don't think I can beat that answer. <laughs> it's pretty much like the struggle and the balance of working in strategy and yeah, communicating. I mean, honestly, when I talk to people not in advertising and they ask what I do, I just like uh, strategy, like research. But that's just the easy way yeah. to tell you. But, um, you know, with people a little more in tune, it's like, you know, distilling down to one idea to share with creative teams, blah, blah, blah. So I feel like, um, I don't know, I can't beat that answer. I wonder, though, <laughs> if you have any stories from your time at other ad agencies where, like, there's kind of a stigma in a lot of agencies where it's like creative versus strategy and there's like a tension where they don't get along. And I don't know if you've ever faced that or. Yeah, I have. That's, I, that's why I'm, when I even talked about like communication and trying to balance that, I, I always wanted to be the strategist that's on the good side of the creative teams that I'm working with. Um, just because you built that like trust and communication that'll actually come to you. For more, but definitely have witnessed a stigma from all the way from grad school, like when they used to call us suits um, versus <laughs> the creatives and, you know, account and strategy suits and just kind of the, the joke. Um, and then getting into the agency world, you know, especially with people coming in that maybe don't understand how helpful strategy can be. Like the best strategy should help make you have like a very pointed creative direction, but sometimes it falls off. Sometimes people aren't giving insights as more facts. And a lot of times, you know, creative can be disgruntled by that because it's like, you're just not really good. I'm still having to do everything. And you just threw some data at me 
or something like that. So sometimes there is that tension and when people have had those experiences, by the time they even work with somebody that is better, cares more, they're kind of like, just don't pay attention to that. Even some creative directors at agents just like, don't worry about what they said, like we're gonna do our own thing. Like definitely have had experiences like that, but luckily at Butcher Shop seems super valued, like a few places later in my like more recent in my career have been a little more um, interested in working with strategy, but yeah, definitely a yeah. little <laughs> yeah. tension at some places. Yeah. I almost feel like it's like a project manager's, like you're kind of uh, a little bit of like, you can act as like helper in that instance because you can kind of like make sure that, you know, the strategy team and creative team have this like nice, strong communication. Yeah, it's I feel like sometimes like, you have to be like that bridge yeah. or that person that that's mediating between the both of them. Yeah, for It's a really sure. complicated task. <laughs> so, Marnie, do you feel like since you just kind of joined, like, this role is what you thought it would be? Or, like, what? <laughs> How are you liking it so far? Yeah, I think it's exactly what I thought it would be, honestly. But I also did a lot of research to try and land at the place that would yeah. be, like, as perfect as possible for me. So... I'm very happy with yeah. how strategy works at Butcher Shop. Yeah, so you're strategic about it. I was very, <laughs> I was very strategic in my job hunt. Um, do you feel like you're that way in your personal life as well? Like, are you a big planner? Like, do you? Yeah. Do you bullet journal? I don't know if that's. A- I don't bullet journal. I have bullet journaled in the past. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think like everything I do, whether it's like trip planning or like. Like you're the spreadsheet person. Like if you if you're on a trip with a friend, like you're like okay, yeah. Marnie's got it. Yeah, yeah. I like I have it under control. Like I will choose the restaurant we're going to this weekend because I've done my research on like where I want to go. Yes. Like buying, like different brands. I I do my research totally before I buy anything. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Do you guys, the rest of you strategists, do you feel like you're very organized in your personal life as well? Yeah. Whitney's like, no. Uh, I'm a little different. I think I, I'm not the, the planner for the good. I, I think because I did a lot of that at work, I want to relax and like go with the flow. Yeah. Um, I do think when I buy things, I research a lot, but no, I'm like, take it away. Organized chaos. <laughs> That's what you want to call it. Yeah, I think it like creeps into your personal life in different ways. Like whether you're bringing in the more like analytical side of who you are as a strategist or like the more curiosity side of always wanting to like learn as much as possible and absorb everything. Yeah. Great. Okay. So I want to ask a bit of like a, a more fun question. Um, so, okay. Which role at butcher shop if switched with a strategist or project manager would, do you think would create the most chaos? (laughs) You don't have to name, like, who, <laughs> but, like, just generally the role. I think you have to go to, like, the other side of the spectrum, like, something that's extremely creative and, and like, a role that has no organization necessary in mind. I think that w- that role switching would be complete chaos. Yeah. I would, um, I, I don't know, but I would say maybe, like, design and strategy or, like, on ends. Because, like, writing, I kind of can see, you know, doing, but... 
maybe design and strategy? Yeah, that's a hard question. Yeah, yeah. there's it's definitely a really like question. a lot of our creatives are very strategic minded, but they don't mm -hmm. necessarily know the process and the toolkit of like all the work that we do. But maybe like developers, because I feel like we're the <laughs> farthest from development of yeah. all the teams. Like we don't really ever get opportunities to work together, right? Because there's just so much in between the work that we do, and then once it hits the development phase. Totally. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe different for digital strategy and UX strategy. That is a little bit more um, closer together, but for brand strategy and development, very, very far apart. Yeah, yeah. How do you guys uh, think you'd manage being a designer for a day? I know, Whitney, you were like, I kind of think that I could be one. <laughs> uh, I think, like, secretly deep down, maybe not secretly, I'm saying it on a podcast, but, like, I've had an interest in that. So, like, I don't think I'd be good. I cannot do what you do. I know that. I've seen your work. But I would love to, like, try it for a day. <laughs> I mean, you have great collage work, right? That's kind of something that was, like, your... Yeah. I know that when you first joined, like, you kind of, uh, I don't know, mentioned that. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's so cool. I'm yeah, like, it's yeah. fun. I think that goes back to when I'm like not doing strategy work. I want to do something like on the other end of the spectrum. I'm like, kind of, but maybe that's part of strategy, wanting to like always do everything. Right. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. What about you guys? Could you do a designer's job for a day? <laughs> I think a pretty interesting question would be like, what would be the role that you would hate to be the most on? <laughs> Accounts being like a <laughs> oh. I do not want to talk to a client ever or like have to solve a problem. Mm. <laughs> what about you guys? Um, I would be a terrible like producer <laughs> having to be that like that's organization on like a whole nother level and like communicating and ugh. that'd be tough. <laughs> I would say copywriting, which is maybe surprising because copy and strategy are probably the two closest disciplines. Yeah. I actually wanted to be a copywriter before I discovered what strategy was, and I'm so grateful that I'm not a writer. <laughs> I just think it's so much harder to really put the strategy through the lens of like, how are you going to communicate this to people out in the world? Where strategy, we get to kind of hide behind a little bit of a <laughs> safety net where yeah. we're establishing the foundation of the messaging, um, but it's really meant to be an internal tool. And then the creatives and the copywriters are the ones that have to take it and translate it. And there's a lot more pressure there to totally. get it right. Totally, yeah. Maribel, do you have any? Yeah, concern? I think I would be the same because <laughs> I'm in the development area, so it's like typing and thinking and getting these ideas, like how should I communicate this to the per to the people to understand what I'm trying to say. It's like, uh, I don't know, I'm spacing out and t you need to, be to read a lot and focus. I love reading, but I, I would be like, I don't know, I, I will run, run out of, of ideas. So that, I think I, I would be terrible at that role. Yeah. Okay, well, whose job at Butcher Shop would you like to try for a day? I will try PM. PM. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, because, well, um, they, uh, the thing is that they need to plan lots of uh, meetings and then uh, taking notes. I love taking notes. And then uh, going to the person and, hey, can you help me with this? I have this situation and I'm a people person, so I think it would be nice just for a day. 
So, <laughs> but well, as a role for the rest of my life, I don't think so. I will try okay. PM. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Max? I think it would be pretty interesting to be a COO for a day. I think that's a role that you can like make a lot of things happen in one day. What about you guys? Hmm. Maybe like some of our motion design. I think that would be really fun. I don't know any of the skills, but... <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds fun. Yeah. I think I said mine already, but it was yeah. around uh, design. I want to talk about why I chose this color for this look <laughs> things like yeah. that. Very cool to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this is a... Okay, so I guess the next topic I kind of want to discuss is um, when plans don't go your way, right? So, like, you have a plan A... How do you get to plan B and how do you navigate that? What are some challenges that people might not know about doing that? At least from a PM point of view, I think you have to have like this recent moment where you realize that your plan didn't work and it's not going to work anymore. And you need to put your feet in the ground and think for a second, like, what am I going to do now? How can I make this still happen? And I think if you don't get that moment, you, you just keep going on the same plan without realizing that it's not going to work anymore. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think this is where it's really important for communication to come back into play. Like, yeah. one person can't solve it all, so being able to rely on your team to kind of figure out all of the different options for how you can move forward becomes really important. Wait, so Max, so did you have a specific, like, you don't have to name the client or anything, just like a specific instance where you felt like, oh my gosh, this is going terribly? Um. I think there's a point where you're looking at your timelines that you realize that they're not going to happen. And then you start thinking about uh, second steps, a plan B. And I think that's when, when, when what Cope said comes to play. Like you got to have a team that's good enough that you know that you can trust them 100% and you can rely on them and go talk to them and tell them, you know what, this is not going to happen. What can we do to make this happen? And for example, I think that you have a good team that that's a pretty strategic kind of kind of thing kind of thing. It, it's pretty easy to get to that plan B. It's really hard to get to that plan B when you have people that don't actually want to realize that plan A is not going to happen. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I think you can't also can't be too attached to plan A. Yeah. Because if you're like too emotionally thrown by the fact that you can't go with your original plan, you lose sight of what the opportunities are at plan B. Because I think there's, especially when we're thinking about like creative work and what we're proposing and what we really believe in, if it doesn't get sold through or gets killed for some reason, like you want, you're disappointed because you put a lot of work into it, but sometimes it can lead to something better. And I think we've definitely had that happen before where we surprise ourselves with letting go of what we totally. had as our original vision and then just letting ourselves be yeah. open to something yeah. else. Yeah, like killing your darlings. That's what <laughs> yeah, and also because uh, if you, when you have a plan and uh, the things don't go your way, well, in my case, I would be really mad or angry, <laughs> but I, 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 I learned to be flexible. Like, okay, we just have like a plan and it doesn't have to be that way. So there are other options and at the end the work will be fine so I'm I'm very patient and relaxed at the end it's like okay it worked and it's and it's fine we didn't die we didn't kill the patient we are not doctors so yeah that's a good point what are some projects that maybe like you guys have worked on where you looked in hindsight and you were like 
oh wow, like strategy really played a, a, re- a really crucial role or like communication played a really crucial role in the success or maybe in like the failure of a project? I think in my case, it has to do with the timing because we need to test uh, stuff. Uh, sometimes we don't have enough time and it's like, it has to be done for yesterday. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, I can think of a project in particular right now, but I think that's something that you realize that it's key to failure and success is how soon are you able to tell people the things? Like how, how soon do you flag things that are not working or how soon do you, do you say if you, if you need a resource or if you, if you need more time, for example, it's really complicated to go to a client and ask them for more time because usually no one likes things handed to them later. But I think it's really good if you, if you do that uh, um, soon enough so that they understand that there's a reason and not because you couldn't actually accomplish the timeline. Yeah, it's about like knowing when to jump ship or yeah. like knowing, yeah. Anybody else have anything? Yeah, I think um, thinking back, I haven't been at Butcher Shop that long to see anything come fully to fruition yet. Um, so this thinking in past experience, um, one of the things coming from more campaign-driven, product-driven background is like rushed times and um, finally, uh, later, like in, in my career, I guess I'd say later, I'm still like in it. But um, before this, I finally got a project where we were doing brand work in addition to campaign and like kind of building it and having somebody not rush it and have a little bit more of that time. You were able to do so many more things for the client, like bringing them in and putting things on the wall and really talking it through, just really getting like a solid, solid strategy that felt so strong. And then all the work and stuff that came after was very clear. It come from something solid and they can, you know, do that for years um, down the line. Um, and we gave them a good foundation. Like it was a brand that has been around for a while, like 10 years, but they hadn't really ever come up with a mission or like, you just kind of like everything worked for them. But then they were like, oh, we're growing, we're growing. Uh, we had IPO. So now we actually need that solid ground. So um, anyway, but having something like that, getting that time, yeah. Um, you saw so much stronger, like, uh, end result from that. Totally. What is strategy for you? That's a question that people love to ask in interviews. <laughs> like, mm. I experienced that a lot. Yeah. Coming out of grad school. You have your boilerplate. No, yeah. I don't. <laughs> but it's like such a scary question. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. It's like asking what is design? Yeah. Uh, how do you answer that? A lot of people like to use the like roadmap uh, yeah. example of like, I don't really want to explain it, but like, <laughs> like we create a roadmap for creative to follow. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, actually a good, a good, um, a good one that I heard. I don't know who, maybe Trevor said this, but like, it's like building the scaffolding of a house mm-hmm. and then design is like the interior design or like the color of you know the roof or like the furniture that you put inside so it's like kind of like you guys are architects in that way and then you work off like a blueprint right yeah you had a great answer <laughs> that's a great answer <laughs> yeah i think it's it's interesting because strategy can mean so many different things based on the context you're talking about like you can have a goal which is i think the metaphor that Trevor uses a lot in in this scenario is like you have a goal and it's to lose weight. Your strategy is to go on a diet. 
it's like your plan for making your goal happen. But then in the context of brand strategy, it means something completely different. And then in the context of digital strategy, it means something completely different. And like being able to have all of those definitions very clearly defined. Yeah. It's harder. I mean, I think one term that I hear all the time or when I first started out was like the North star, right? Like you have to set the North star for the creative team to follow and to make sure that we're all kind of like going on the same path and everyone is aligning towards one direction. So that's kind of like how I understood it at least. I feel like strategy is also a team that pretty much tells you like, where's the limit? Like how far can you go? And, and that, that, thing, that, that thing about the North Star is pretty much the same thing. So, but instead of just going in a straight, in a straight line, you just like give, give them a, a little bit of the limits on how, how far can they move inside of those limits in, and they need to get to a certain point. That's the way I feel that I get strategy in, inside my job. Do you guys feel like it's kind of like a, your like shepherding role? Like you constantly like check in and guide to make sure people are going in the right way. Kind of like a project manager actually is like you have to make sure the timeline is being adhered to. But for you guys, it's almost like big picture things. Like yeah. I think that's part of it. I mean, it's definitely part of it, but it's even like providing that inspiration, like a little bit of that initial spark to get it going. Like not just, it doesn't like come out of nowhere and then you go, you have to kind of like get it yeah. started and then continue. And that's very much a part of it. Like after the fact, I wish I had a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> All great answers. I feel like as strategists, we're, we're often the source of truth that needs to stay consistent throughout all of the work coming to life. And that can also mean that the source of truth evolves a bit as you start to uncover mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, we always want to stick to our creative brief and the strategic principles that we outline, but sometimes during the creative process, we might arrive at another strategic angle that didn't present itself to us before. So we have to be a little bit flexible too to work with the creative team to kind of adjust that lens. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever feel like there was like a time where it really went not like derailed, but kind of went, you know, uh, just in a direction you didn't expect. I definitely think there's always scenarios where we feel really confident about a strategic direction and a, and a recommendation. And then throughout the course of feedback and workshopping, we have to, again, kind of let go of what we're attached to and get past the first idea. And a lot of times it's hard to kind of force yourself, like you have the first idea and it's the most obvious answer and it's of course the most absolute right direction to go in, but you really have to like let it go sometimes to think about what else am I not seeing? And then that can be very unexpected to kind of suddenly, it's an aha moment of, oh, there's two other solutions to this puzzle that we didn't even consider and they can end up being better than the first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes the best strategies have been something that the creative come up with later, like um, shifted in some, you know, like, oh my God, you know, we're going to see, like, this is better. I'm going to rework the strategy word it that way that you said. So maybe they, it was a jumping off point, the yeah. strategy, but they definitely have like shaped um, some really good directions yeah. at times. And you're like, are you not going to be mad about that? Like recognizing that that's better is <laughs> sometimes important too. Yeah. I think it's like nobody like works in isolation like it's all a very like collaborative process um which i think is the great thing about like working somewhere like butcher shop 
not to like kiss ass or anything. But, like, <laughs> yeah. Do you guys feel like strategy is a creative word? I do. Great question. Want to expand on that? <laughs> it's kind of like what Cobe said earlier. It's like it's a combination of doing your research and then like using your imagination to yeah come up with I don't know yeah what do you want to do yeah, yeah exactly yeah we're not suits <laughs> we're not just suits it's a mix <laughs> yeah it's really hard it's you have to see what other people can't see otherwise clients could do this on their own Thanks for listening to this episode of Layover Talks and stay tuned for the next one. This was a Butcher Shop Global production. See you next time.